Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. It's great to be with you. Thank you, band. Wonderful, as always. So good. I just was, as you were, as you were praying, Ash, just then I was like, we've together been doing like stuff here at church for actually a very long time to the point where I'm like, we're like old men. Like, it's a, bit, oh, a long time. It's really, really cool. It's, it's a joy. And um, it's, a, it's an honor to be able to speak tonight, and I want to be able to encourage you. We are moving into a, a new series talking about faith. And I guess really my aim is that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened as you leave tonight. I believe that God is speaking to us. He has something, something for you. And whether you've heard God in the worship or through communion or whatever it is, I believe that God is speaking it, and He wants He wants to you to hear Him. He wants you to be able to know His voice. Before I get any further, can I just welcome some friends who will hate this right now? But I just want to welcome Jesse and Beth Knauss. They are assistant pastors at Central Church in Warners Bay, and they do an amazing job. And I love you guys, and um, I love having you here. And um, and I. One of the things I love about Newcastle is that our churches are friends. We're not in competition. I remember years and years ago when I was youth pastor one time before youth, uh, like we had our team and I was praying. I was like, let's all pray for the other youth ministries tonight. And one of the young leaders was like, can we do that? Like, is that okay? And I was like, yeah, no, like we actually want, they're not our competition. We want them to grow. So praying God's blessing on you guys because you do amazing work. And um, it's nice to have you here. I like it. Sorry to embarrass you. I'll pay later. That's all right. Who likes Indian food? <laughs> Have you ever had Sam Paul's Indian food, though? That's, uh... So in the UK last week, an Indian restaurant, you might know this, they um, put up a, a new post. They said, new year, new mood. For the last few weeks, we've been working hard to make our dining experience even more memorable. And they had a little video, a promo video. I'm not going to play it. But, you know, there's a perfect blend of exquisite flavours and with classical unique dishes inspired by ancient family recipes. It sounds lovely, doesn't it? So they're just a little promo, local UK Indian restaurant. Lucy Watson wrote, How old is the footage? My late husband and his son are on the first shot and he died in 2014. To which they replied, Sorry to hear this. The footage was recorded last week. Yeah. So cue internet viral frenzy and people going is he dead or did he just fake his own death was he did he not have the guts to tell that he was out the door and then there's a whole bunch of puns maybe he wasn't dead maybe he was just in a coma um and uh, <laughs> it's it's phenomenal and then then some people are saying is it just a stunt and then some people are saying is the curry so good he came back from the dead and, and, it's, and it's just, honestly, there are thousands and thousands of comments. And if it's just a publicity stunt, they nailed it. There's people who say, like, I'll go here now because, you know, if it's that good, they'll head there. And it's fascinating looking at the comments. Some people being super rational going, well, obviously it's not, you know, it can't be him because of this. And other people going, well, maybe the food's that good. He came back from the dead. And there's all this sort of spectrum of belief and in it, I'm like, where's the faith, people? Where's the faith? Come on, like, is, is it possible 
do we believe that people can come back from the dead? I mean, if they did, would they go and have a curry first thing? <laughs> Some people. It's just a strange, strange phenomenon. And as it turns out, I think the son has said, no, that's definitely not us. And she says, she, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's a wild internet rabbit warren if, you, if you've got the time tonight. But when you think about your faith, right, are you kind of, do you jump into things easily and you go, yeah, absolutely, of course. Or do you go, no, no, I'm very rational. And of course that is ridiculous. Because there is an element of ridiculousness to it. But, but where do you sit? And then if you were to think about your own faith right now, I won't get you to, like sometimes I'm a teacher and I like to check in with kids and I'll get them to, you know, depending on how they're doing, like, you know, five fingers are doing fantastic, one not so good. And I won't get you to rate your faith like that right now. But if you were just to yourself, if you were to say, how faith-filled am I right now? Are you a five? Are you, sometimes I have kids who just go like this. I'm like, okay, I'll chat to you later. Maybe you might be like a two and a half somewhere. How's your, how's your faith right now? Is it, is it okay? Is it, how's your faith right now? There we go. Hopefully you weren't reading any stories about Auckland in the last few days. Um, that's actually nice. Nice, cool change. It's come through. It's lovely. But how, like, if you were to rate your faith and think, okay, I am here in church. We sing songs about faith in Jesus. We confess, as Ash, a beautiful letter said, we confess our faith and our need for him. But do you feel full of faith? Now, in Hebrews 11.6, if we jump to that, it says this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith makes God happy. If you're full of faith, you're making God happy. That's kind of cool if you're sitting here going, well, I'm full of faith. But if you're not so full of faith tonight, you go, well, hang on, where does, where does that leave, leave me and God? So God's desire, his ultimate desire is actually that you are full of faith. He desires that you are full of faith. It bring, not just because it brings him joy. He knows it's good for you, but then it brings him joy. But what if you don't feel full of faith? What if you come to church, you're sitting here tonight, you're here because you think it's the right thing, but you're not full of faith. Maybe you're feeling a bit faithless, or maybe you're having some doubts. You've had a few questions. You're unsure about a few things. Maybe you're actually in a season of doubt. The last year's just been rough, and just you've just got question after question, like, well, I didn't see God there, and I didn't see him there, and I'm feeling pretty tired. And what, what do we do with doubt? Often in church, we're afraid to talk about doubt. We can talk about grief and loss. We can talk about marital problems. We can talk about parenting. We can talk about just about anything when it comes to doubt. We go, oh, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about that. You know, in, in church, we have a really famous doubter. His name is Doubting Thomas. And I'm worried that if anyone knows I've ever doubted, they might call me Doubting Josh. And I don't really want to know, be known as Doubting Josh. Like, it's kind of cruel, isn't it? To go, there's this one guy who we all know him as Doubting Thomas. And that's how the church knows him. Doubting Thomas. Imagine that. If we all walked through this, the room, just, you're a doubter. You're a doubter. And we just say, well, imagine if we call people out like that. You, that's what, one of the reasons we don't want people to know about that. It, it kind of scares us. And so I want to look, we're moving into faith, but I felt if we're going to be looking at faith, I think we have to start with doubt because it's something that we all do. So I want to look at, at Thomas, a famous doubter. All right. And if we look 
At John 20, it says this. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin. Now, his name, literally, if you break it down, Thomas pretty much just means twin. So his name was just twin. That's what they called him. It's kind of strange. And they knew, there's never any mention of who his twin was, which is also really strange. He was not when the others when Jesus came. So this is absolute FOMO. All the other disciples see Jesus except Thomas. I don't know where he was. He was probably grieving, feeling flat. Maybe he's like, I just need some space from you guys. He wasn't there. All the other disciples came back and they told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side, which seems pretty reasonable to me. It's a pretty fair thing. Because if you, have you ever had people come back and tell you something, tell you some wild story and you're like, sure, sure. You know, like even maybe Christmas with family and there's always someone who's got some tall stories and you're like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Like you kind of believe a little bit. But you're like, I'm not so sure. And so he was not sure. He had, he had his doubts. And I would say quite legitimate doubts because of course this is what they wanted. Jesus was dead. Of course they want him to come back to life. They maybe he's thinking, well, you just like, that's just what you want. Now, John Tyson says this, there is no road to spiritual maturity that does not walk straight through doubt. If you want to be spiritually mature, you have to walk through doubt. Now, doubt is not a destination, but it's part of the journey. We don't just camp in doubt, but we all walk through it. And if you want to be spiritually mature, you can't avoid doubt. You have to walk through it. You have to take it head on and say, well, if this is what's in front of me, I can't avoid this forever. I actually have to work out how I'm going to get through this. And doubt isn't some sinful lapse of unwavering faith because a proposition you couldn't doubt wouldn't require faith, would it? So it's not sin to suddenly go, well, I have a question because we're talking faith here. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Rather, faith keeps believing even in the midst of doubt. You're doubting, but you keep believing. You keep being faithful. You keep showing up. And, and we sometimes get worried with doubt that people will backslide or they'll, they'll deconstruct. And those are real things. But I don't think Satan's plan for you is that you deconstruct and post about it online. His plan for you is that you will have an apathetic faith. That you'll hit doubt and you'll go, too hard, couldn't be bothered. And the enemy goes, that's exactly where I want you. So if we want to be people who are spiritually mature, who are people of faith, we are all going to come into points of doubt, questions. And it's essential that we go, well, what am I going to do about this? How do I, how do I walk through this? Now, it's interesting because Thomas is known as the doubter, but get this, in Genesis Abraham doubted whether God was going to make good on his promise to give him and Sarah a son because they were like a hundred. All right. Then in 1 Kings, Elijah had his doubts that God would be with him, even though he said he would. In Luke, Mary had her doubts that she could fall pregnant with Jesus because it was impossible. In the Gospel of John, Andrew doubted that Jesus could feed 5,000 people with a few loaves and some fish. In Acts, Peter had, has doubts about reaching out to the Gentiles and all the other disciples first doubted that Jesus had resurrected too. So Thomas is in pretty good company and I reckon that we are too because I've had my doubts and I've had my times of questioning. 
And sometimes big ones and sometimes smaller ones. And it doesn't mean you're not a person of faith. It means you actually have faith. You're trying to work out your way through it. And, and I would guess that many, if not all of you, have either had some form of doubt or you are currently doubting something right now. There's something you go, even as we're singing, you know, you, sometimes you read words as we're singing worship and you go, I don't know about that. Like you see, have you ever had that, the words coming out of your mouth and as soon as they come out of your mouth, you go, do I actually believe that? I, I, I find that a funny one. So let's keep going. In uh, John 20, it says this, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands and put your hand into my wound and my side. Don't be faithless any longer, but believe. My Lord and God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. It's just this profound moment. There's so much in this. It's eight days later. Somehow Jesus knew exactly what Thomas needed. And even though Thomas was doubting and lacking faith, Jesus gave him exactly what he needed. Exactly what he needed. He didn't chastise him for it. He didn't put him down. He actually gave him what he needed. And, and then he sort of said something to him, but he showed him himself. Sometimes God does things because of our faith. Sometimes he just does things because he's powerful. Because he knows exactly what we need. And Jesus then, after giving Thomas what he needs, says to him, he doesn't rebuke him for his doubt. He rebukes him for his unbelief. Because in the verse beforehand, he hadn't said, I'm not so sure. He'd said, I can't or I won't. I won't believe unless... And and there's this key difference because Jesus had actually told him what would happen. So it was Peter denying what Jesus, it was Thomas denying what Jesus had said. And there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. And this is where Thomas moves into unbelief. One has questions trying to figure it out and the other rejects it completely. And so when you come to a season of doubt, you can either have questions and go, I'm going to work my way through this or you go, I'm just going to reject this completely. And Thomas's initial response actually was to reject it completely. His actions showed otherwise because he kept showing up. One of my favorite sayings for years has been, doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. If you doubt it, keep doubting it. Like doubt the thing that you doubt. And if you believe it, then hold on to it. If it's true, then hold on to it. And if you doubt it, then don't believe it. Keep doubting it. And doubt it and doubt it until you go, oh, now I know what I believe. Does that make sense? So... We need some faith, but how do you increase your faith? You've got Thomas here who, even in the midst of his brokenness, his grieving, Jesus still reaches out to him and gives him what, he's, what he needs. And I, I know that in my life, I've had times where I can say, yes, I know I was faithful and I trusted God and he came through. And there's other times where I felt like he didn't come through. And then I look back and realize he was always faithful. And there's other times he gave me exactly what I needed Maybe even when I didn't ask. Have you found that? And you look back over your life, and sometimes it's, that, it's the beauty of hindsight, which, you know, sometimes you just want to punch hindsight in the face. It's, you know, you see, you know, of course, if I'd only known that. But you look back, like if I look back at the last year, think about 2022, and I can see a whole lot of great things that happened then, but I found it personally a really stressful year. 
It was a hard year, really difficult. And there's still things from last year that I go, oh, that, that, that hurts. But through the whole thing, I can see this thread of God's faithfulness. I can see that he was present. Even when things are hard, his presence doesn't mean that, that things are going to always be easy. It means that he's with us. That's what it means. So how do I increase my faith? Well, if we jump to Luke 17, it says this. The apostles asked this very question. So they said, Lord, show us how to increase our faith because I want to have more faith, right? And Jesus said to them this. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and planted into the sea and it would obey you. And other translations talk about moving a mountain into the sea. Now, a mustard seed, as, as you probably know, is tiny. And the purpose here, it was actually um, something that rabbis often used to indicate the smallest thing they could imagine. The point wasn't sort of this is the size, because often we look for a formula, don't we? I've seen people, you know, you put your fingers like this, and a mustard seed's about that small. And we often go, okay, that's the amount of faith I need to have. The point wasn't this is the amount you need to have. The point was, even if you had the smallest amount possible, you could still do something amazing. Because faith is actually about quality, not quantity. It's actually about the quality of your faith. It's about the thing that you have your faith in, not how much of it you have. And so often we're looking for more, and Jesus is saying, you're asking the wrong question. Because they say, how do we increase our faith? And he's like, well, he gives them the smallest thing possible. So they're obviously standing there looking at him going, I think you misheard us. We want to grow our faith. And he says, yeah, no, no, tiny, tiny faith. Now, I would say, and you might say this too, over the course of my life, I've thought, surely I have that much faith. Like, have you ever, you know, you see the, heard the mustard seed talking, you go, like, surely I have, I have that much faith. Like, I, I'm not a faithless person. Have you ever sat there thinking, like, you, you know, if you look at some mustard seeds, you're like, surely that's the amount of faith. I, I think I could at least get to that level. There's not much smaller than that. Like, yes, we go microscopic, but then you go, that's a bit, you know, a bit demeaning. Like, surely I have a tiny, tiny amount of faith, but then I still have problems. And I still don't, I still pray and I don't see God answer my questions or my, my longings. And, and it's, it's problematic. And we think things should happen. They don't happen. Then we start to go, well, what's wrong with me? What, what have I done wrong? If I can't even get that much faith, like I may as well not pray. And then we can become fatalistic and we go, well, there's no point in praying because prayer is futile. I don't see anything happen, so why bother praying? And definitely been there before. And Jesus is saying your amount of faith, as I said, isn't the problem. Now, in June 30, 1859, 25,000 thrill seekers lined the banks of the Canadian and American side of Niagara Falls to watch Charles Blondin be the first person to cross Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Right? And the, this tightrope was 1,300 feet long, two inches in diameter, made of hemp, entirely of hemp. He had this balancing pole with him and all these people turned up to watch him. And people just love a train wreck, don't they? Like, you know, you don't have to advertise a fire. People just want to turn up. And so everyone's like, this is going to be amazing. Either we're going to see him cross or we're going to see something else and either way it'll be entertaining. And so people turned up and Charles took off with his balancing pole, 26 foot balancing pole. And started walking across. And first off, he 
got halfway now. There was the, the rope wasn't super uh, super tight, and so in a, the middle there was this big dip. And so you imagine, like he's going down. He went down. He sat in the middle, lowered a rope down to a boat underneath, collected a bottle of wine, brought it back up, drank it, and kept going. Then on the way back, he carried. Now this is this is the 1850s. Carried a camera on his back. Got half like towards the other side, set the camera up and took a photo of the people on the other side. He did cartwheels and somersaults across and then just dangled by one hand in the middle. He took a small stove across, sat in the middle and cooked himself an omelette. As you you do, he's very French. And then he, he took a wheelbarrow with 350 pounds of cement and walked it across. And each time the crowd's going, ooh, oh, isn't he amazing? Like, this guy is incredible, you know? He brought it back, and he's, you know, who thinks this is amazing? And everyone's cheering. He's like, who thinks I could take a person in this? And everyone's like, yeah, well, you, of course you can. And he's like, and where are the volunteers? And everyone's like, just crickets. No one, not a single person. Now, actually, later on, a few weeks, I think, he carried his manager on his back across there. So there was one. But when he's the offer of going across, I think he'd even taken the wheelbarrow blindfolded across. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And everyone could see it happening. 25,000 people all stood there watching him. They could see this happening. And as soon as the offer came to hop in the wheelbarrow, all of a sudden it was like, I think you're really cool. I just don't have that much faith in you. You, I think you are phenomenal. I, I love watching. I love watching from a distance. I love seeing what you do. It's so good. I've heard the stories. I've seen it with my own eyes. It's great. I see it. But there's no way I'm hopping in that wheelbarrow. There is no way I'm hopping in that wheelbarrow. And I would say that when it comes to our faith, our faith is not so much having a massive amount, but being willing to hop in the wheelbarrow. Being willing to say, I am terrified, but I'll hop in anyway. Because the quality of my faith is dependent on the person pushing the wheelbarrow across the rope. Not how much I have. Not my ability to walk across. Because I'm, I'm, like, my balance is not great, okay? I'm rather tall. I just, I'm not that agile. If I was to go, I, I would not last too long. It's not my, my ability to walk across a tightrope or even to sit balancing in a wheelbarrow. It's my ability to have faith in the person who's pushing it. It's the the quality of my faith, not the quantity that I go, I I completely trust you. I'm throwing everything in the wheelbarrow. This is all I've got. I've only got a tiny bit, but I'm chucking it all in. This is it. All my doubts and my questions, chucking them in the wheelbarrow too. Because you could not hop in that wheelbarrow without questions. You would have a lot of questions. Who's been to Niagara Falls? It is powerful to say the least. It's huge. It would have been terrifying. In Romans 10, 17, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ, right? Faith doesn't come by my assumptions, like what I think or what I like. Faith isn't, like we talk these days, people talk about manifesting, you know, and that's just like new age hope. It's sort of this, I'm, I'm hoping that I will get this. This is the thing I want. This is what I want. And of course, it's nice to want things. Now, you can pray and ask God for what you want, and that is a sign that you're his child. But that's not faith in what he said. That's having hope. That's hope that God loves you, that he's your heavenly father. 
But that's not faith because he hasn't always told you that's what he'll give you. So you can ask God for whatever you want. But you don't have faith in the things you want. You have faith in the Word of God. So we have faith in what he said. Now, if he said, hop in the wheelbarrow and I'm going to take you across, that's absolutely, you go, yes, I will go with you. If it was, God, I'm going to tightrope across the Niagara Falls, me just thinking that, God hasn't necessarily told me that I should do that. If God said, yes, do that, I might start training today. Do, do, do you know the difference? One is what I want, and one is what God has actually told me. And sometimes, if you find people who are disillusioned, often we're not disillusioned because God didn't give us what He told us He'd give us, we're disillusioned because we didn't get what we want. Like the plan of my life didn't work out the way I thought it would. I thought by this stage, this and this and this would have happened. When I turned 30, I had a huge list of list of shoulds. By this stage, I, I should have done this, and I should have done this, and I should have done this, and we should be you know, at this stage of life, and I should have this many kids or, or whatever. I had a huge list, and I went and talked to a psychologist, and she said, you have to cut should out of your vocabulary because it's killing you. I had, I had so many shoulds because all the things that I thought should have happened. None of the things that God said will happen right now, but it was just the things that I wanted. Now, does God give us the desires of our heart? Absolutely. Does he always just give us what we want when we want it? Unfortunately, not always. It would be nice, but then we would become really greedy, selfish brats, to be totally honest. I'm a teacher. I've seen a few. No, not in Newcastle. When I worked in London. Yes. So when it comes to faith, though, right? Faith, faith is not a formula. Faith is not if you have this much faith, do these three steps, this will happen. Faith is a response because faith comes by hearing. And so when Jesus calls you, you respond. That's faith. Faith is answering his call. And when he says, come and hop in the wheelbarrow, we're going to go for a ride. Faith is responding to that call, saying, okay, I'm hopping in. I can't leave anything on the shore. I'm fully in. This is it. I'm all in and then trust him as he pushes. That, that is faith. And even if your faith is tiny, Jesus says you have all the faith you need to do the impossible because our faith isn't reliant on the amount of faith we have, but who we have our faith in. So you don't need necessarily more, but to act on what you have. Like I'm telling you, every, every single one of you here tonight, I think it's an act of faith to go to church. That's an act of faith. Whether you fully believe in God or not, the fact that you actually went to church says, well, I'm at least open to the possibility. That's an act of faith. And for some of you, you might have been a Christian for 30 years and you go, I've just got some questions I've never had answered, but you're still here. That's an act of faith. And maybe in worship, you, you didn't sing a whole lot, but you sang a little bit. That's an act of faith. And maybe when we were praying, you, you prayed a bit. That's, that's an act of faith. Or maybe you've been praying day in and day out for the last 40 years. And that also is an act of faith. Being faithful. So if you hop in the wheelbarrow, it's natural to be afraid. And that actually makes you qualified. It makes you qualified to be able to do the impossible through the power of Jesus. Back to John 20. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me. The blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And I tell you, that's all of you. 
you are blessed if you believe and you haven't seen Jesus, which I think is great news for each one of us because it's nice to be blessed. It's not just nice, it's, it's powerful. He's not just blessing you with nice things. He is blessing you with his spirit. He's saying, I'm giving you strength and power that you could never muster up on your own. I'm giving you faith that you could not have created on your own. It comes from my spirit, not from you trying to muster something out. So you, right here, you're, you're blessed. You can say to yourself, I, I am blessed. I believe I haven't seen Jesus physically, so I'm blessed. If you have, you're also blessed. But that's a different conversation. Oswald Chambers says this, faith is the deliberate confidence in the ways of God who at times you may not understand. Deliberate confidence. You don't always understand him. I reckon if we went around the room, everyone would have a different story. If something has happened, you go, I didn't understand that. If I can be really, really personal, when my brother Sam died, my big question was why? I really want to know why. And God gave me incredible peace in that. But I had, had had to wrestle with a huge doubt, the goodness of God, whether he was still present, whether he's still alive. I knew he was still there, but I thought he just hated us. It's a massive, massive doubt. And over time, knowing his presence and his goodness and his peace actually meant that the why didn't matter so much, which at the time, that was all I wanted to know. And after a while, I was like, no, because I know you and I know your character, the why isn't actually as important. And I'll find out one day. I trust his character. So we bring our doubts to him. In 1 Peter, it says this, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. As I was preparing this, I honestly feel there's a lot of you, you've enjoyed, endured a lot of trials. And you go, there's wonderful joy ahead, but I think we have to pause and say, you've endured some trials. Like, I've endured some trials. You've probably endured some trials as well. And while there is wonderful joy ahead, I don't think we can sit here and pretend that we don't have trials. Our faith isn't pushing things aside and pretending life is just all fine. Faith is acknowledging the trickiness, the difficulties. And so we go, we know that we can be glad there's joy ahead, but we've got to have some, there's trials in the meantime. And these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus is revealed. And you love him again, even though you haven't seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with glorious, inexpressible joy. I want to say, if you are doubting tonight, God blesses you, he loves you, and he is so glad you're here. I say, just keep showing up. Just keep turning up. Don't stop being with people who love Jesus. If you are doubting, the best people to be with are people who love Jesus. People who say, it's okay, I'm not rocked by your doubt. You can share it with me. I'm not fearful because my faith is strong. You can share with me where you're, going, where you're at. That's fine. It's great. That's, that's actually real power in conversation. To have to sit and listen to someone, not give advice, but to go, tell me, where are you at? What's happening? And listen to someone's questions and go, okay, I'm here with you. Let's ask that God will speak to us. Because what we need, if you're doubting, is a word from the Lord. You need to hear his voice. 
You need to know his voice, his word in your life that speaks to you. You go, yes, that is the thing I'm following. And so tonight, I, I want to take a moment and, and pray we can get the band up. And um, I want to pray, really, a few things. But do you know that um, Thomas was probably the first missionary to India? In fact, if you ever know an Indian person whose surname is Thomas or whose name is Thomas, it's because there's a portion of India and there's a whole lot of Thomases there because they believe that that's actually where he went. So he doubted, but he wasn't a doubter. And you may be doubting, but that doesn't mean you're a doubter. It doesn't mean that for your life, the, the whole work of your life, you'll be known as a doubter. It means that you went through a season, you worked it out, and you came through with strength. And I believe that that's what God is calling each one of us to do. He's saying you might be going through a season now where you have questions and you're doubting, and maybe not this week, but maybe next week, or in a few months, or in a few years. But that won't be what you are known as. What you'll be known as is someone who followed the call of God, someone who responded to his call. If you were, in that, I'm not sure the exact part of India, but he is so well recognized because he took the gospel there. They also believe he may have gone through Iran as well. Phenomenal. He responded to Jesus' call to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So not a doubter, he doubted. All right? So what do you do? Well, I really quickly, right? If you're doubting, keep your eyes on Jesus. Can I say read the gospels? Know Jesus. Read the gospels daily. If you've got a reading plan that doesn't go through the gospels, then change your reading plan to one that does. Like, he even has a little bit, you know? Old Testament, New Testament. Everything needs to go through Jesus. You would need to know him. Keep your eyes on him. He's the author and perfecter of your faith. He is the one who strengthens you and builds you up with faith. Um, keep showing up. Surround yourself with people who love Jesus. Surround yourself with people who are faithful. Or you can bring your doubts. Or maybe you need to be that person who says to a friend, it's all right, you can share with me what's going on and I'm not going to tell you what you need to think. I'm just going to be with you. Just be a present friend. And then I just want to pray tonight that we will receive a word from the Lord. Now, we're going to worship in a second. If you, this, tonight you're like, I'm full of faith, I'm feeling great. Then when we pray, you can go, thank you, God. Just say thanks. Thank you that I'm feeling full of faith because that is amazing. And your faith strengthens the person next to you and they really need that. Maybe tonight you're actually the, you feel total opposite end, or maybe somewhere in the middle, just a bit blase. And you go, I have, just don't have much faith. I just don't feel anything, or I have some massive doubts and questions. And I want to ask that God will speak to you tonight. That you bring Him whatever it is, whatever doubt, question, whatever it is, and He will speak to you, give you a peace that passes all understanding. Would you stand? And I'm just going to pray, and then we can worship together. So Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you're here with us. I thank you that the church is a really safe place to bring our doubts to. So we bring our doubts to you, Jesus. We thank you that it actually takes faith to trust in you. And so tonight, God, we give you our faith. We, as we hop in that wheelbarrow and we say we're fully yours. Everything I have is yours. Lord, for anyone tonight that is full of faith, Lord, we say thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you that you have filled them with rich, glorious faith. May they be continually filled 
know the power of your presence with them. And for anyone tonight who is struggling, struggling to know you, to be able to, struggling with questions and doubts, would you speak to us tonight? Lord, we bring you our questions. We bring you our longings. We bring you our uncertainties. We place them at your feet. I praise you, God. I praise you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.